Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hello there. I'm happy to be back with you again today. And today I have an amazing guest. She's a mom, a nationally syndicated humor columnist, God, I can't talk today, a parenting author, a speaker, a 13-year veteran of her town's school system, and a radio talk show host in Boston. She gets it, all of it, firsthand. And Lisa believes as parents, we need to be nimble and let our kids find their own path, make their own mistakes, and learn to rise for themselves because she believes the goal is to raise strong, capable, resilient humans who will thrive on their own. And this is really cool because Lisa Sugarman is joining me to give us her own story. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is really a treat. Well, it's, it's an absolute treat for me to have you here. Thank you. I'm going to uh, say it, it's actually been um, an interesting couple of weeks because we had uh, Suicide Prevention Day on September the 10th. And in my group of uh, tweets and posts and things I had put out, I had an alert for anything that related to the hashtag. And lo and behold, my prayers were answered because I'm always looking for guests that have really important stories to share because we all need to heal somewhat. And as I'm always saying, when we share our story, we get to lighten our burden a little, but we also get to show other people they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And with that, Lisa, I would love for you to go ahead and start letting us know just where your story begins. Um, well, I, I'm grateful, really grateful that you reached out to me. Um, I just think it's so serendipitous that yeah. we've found each other and obviously we've, we've had conversations prior to today, yeah. deep, great, beautiful conversations, um, much of which I really have not had at this point yet with anyone and and you you understand this pretty well because i've i i kind of confess to you that i hadn't besides posting what i posted that caught your eye last week i have not been very public with my own story um my own past i have spoken quite a bit about it to the to the people kind of in my circle of influence and my, my, obviously my family and my friends, my children, husband, but I, I haven't really spoken about this publicly because it's, it's been a, a bit of a journey for me. Mm -hmm. Started um, a handful of years ago. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure what the right entry point is, I guess, maybe to, to start this conversation. So um, maybe I guess I'll, I'll start at my beginning so I'm I'm 53 years old now. Uh, I've been married to the same great guy for 28 years. We've been together for 35 years. We have two daughters. One is 21. One is 24. And when I was 10 years old, so I'm an only child. And when I was 10 years old, I lost my father. He passed away very very suddenly. Um, it was uh, August of 1978, and it's always been my understanding or it had always been my understanding that my dad passed away from a heart attack. He was a very heavy smoker and there was heart disease that ran in the family. And it was what I was told when I was 10 years old and why in the world would I ever have any reason to doubt that? Yeah. So I went through kind of that arc of grieving and loss and healing and, um, became, you know, young adult and then ultimately an adult and a wife and a mom and arrived in my mid forties as a 
woman who had lost her dad and was raising my own family. And the, it's a long and involved story. I'm not even sure that you and I got into exactly how it was. Mm -hmm. that I, yeah, that I came to understand that that story was not the true story of how my father mm -hmm. passed away. So when I was about 45 years old, there were a series of events happened, series of conversations happened um, with a family member who brought up my father's depression and I was unaware that my father had had depression. And I, I need to kind of preface it all by saying my mom and I are extraordinarily close. My mom is my person. She, we talk a million times a day. She um, has been involved in every aspect of my life since since day one all the way through every every stage of life. That being said, my dad was my person before that. So yes. um, my mom and I ended up having a conversation as a result of a conversation I had with a family member that kind of started dropping these little breadcrumbs about things my dad was going through. And I asked my mom, we were just having a normal conversation, just having lunch and having a conversation. And we were just kind of going over old memories like we often do. And something, just something bizarre and I guess unexplainable to me made me ask her the question, was dad depressed? And she said, yes. And before I knew what I was saying or why I was asking it, I asked if my dad had taken his life. I had never thought that before. I had never, I had no reason to believe that before. It was one of the strangest experiences that like I've ever had in my lifetime because it wasn't, it wasn't on the radar. It wasn't in my, in my wiring and my thinking. Yeah. I mean, clearly it was somewhere, it was in my subconscious, but I asked my mom the question. I don't think there was even a second's worth of hesitation. And she looked at me and said, yes. And in that moment, it, you know, it changes everything. In, in that moment, everything that I had known to be true was not true. Everything that I understood to be, the, you know, the reason why my dad wasn't here was completely upended and everything was, was totally different from that point on. And so, you know, I mean, there, there were so many different things that happened as a result of that um, conversations with my mom, conversations with my husband, conversations with my girls and, and kind of coming to terms with the fact that he had made that decision to leave. And I, I mean, I, I, one thing I have to say is that, I, and when I do talk about this with people, people often ask me how I felt about my mom's decision to not tell me. I am so grateful, so deeply, yes. deeply grateful to my mom for kind of taking that bullet for me because I don't think I could have handled that at that time in my life. I don't think at, at the age of 10 years old, finding out that my dad was there when I left in the morning and gone in the afternoon, and that it was his decision to leave, I don't think I could possibly have come back from that. And so she shielded me from that. And I'm so grateful to her for doing that. And, you know, then of course it became, well, now you're going off to high school. I'm not gonna tell you now, and now you're going off to college and then you're getting married and now you're having a family. So what's the point? Yeah. And, and I understood that. I really understood that. But now that I was in a position of, of knowing the, the true story, it became so important to me to understand yes. and to really be able to, to look at my own mental health and my children's mental health and my family's mental health in, in a completely different way. Yeah. So it, it's been, it's been a, it's been a journey. I mean, it's been probably now, what am I 53? So it's been almost eight years. Yeah. Yeah. that first conversation. And I have to say, I probably cried myself to sleep for three years oh, yeah. because, um, you know, you're reliving that trauma, you're reliving that loss, you're re recycling all that grief, but it's through a completely different lens. Yeah. And I will be the very first person to say that initially, because I have um, some other family members who have taken their lives as well. Yes. Family members and, and actually just lost a very, very dear friend, one of my oldest friends I told you about um, just five months ago. Yeah. And 
I, for a very long time in my life, felt that suicide was a very selfish act. I really did. And it was my own personal opinion. It certainly wasn't anything that I was going around chatting about with people. But I did very much feel that way when I first when I first learned about my dad's death. And that was the thing that was the hardest for me, which it was kind of the unlearning and the relearning of of what suicide and, and mental health yeah. is really all about and really kind of dissecting that 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 illness and putting it against any other kind of an illness, kind of lining mm-hmm. it up against any other kind of an illness, like a heart disease or cancer or any kind of um, disease that you, you know, of the body that you can't control, Yeah, you would certainly never hold it against somebody who had cancer. No. You would never feel any kind of animosity towards someone who had a heart attack and died. No. And yet there are people, and, and I was one of those people, who feel like it's a very selfish act to take your life. And it was only it was only when I started really understanding the correlation between suicide as an illness, yeah, and and and, and treatment in terms of illnesses, that I really understood that it's it's it needs to be treated in the same way that any other kind of a physical illness would be treated with. Um, whether it be therapy or medication or some kind of um, guidance to navigate yeah. that illness. And those are the tools that are used to navigate that kind of an illness. So, um, you know, there was a big arc for me going from this place okay. of, of devastation and, and disbelief and sadness and anger at my dad. Um, not really anger at my dad for leaving me, but anger at my dad for for putting my mom in the position that she was in now as a single mom for she was you know 40 years old with a 10 year old daughter by herself and so for me it's it's been an interesting journey to arrive at a place where i understand that even though i don't know what the pain was that my dad was going through i have some i have some ideas i mean i i, I understand that that there was a tremendous amount of mental health um, there were mental health issues on my father's side of the family. And, right. and of course, you know, things weren't talked about back no, in the seventies. No. It was mm-hmm. so heavily stigmatized that people just didn't, didn't have conversations about seeing a psychiatrist. Didn't want to, oh, didn't, didn't want to accept that they had mental illness. Didn't no. want to be treated because they were afraid of being scrutinized. And so, I know that my father did start seeing someone. I, I believe it was a psychiatrist mm-hmm. in the last couple of months of his life. Yeah, clearly it was. It was too little, too late. Too, so, yeah. Um, and, and something. Well, two things that that came up the very first time we talked. The the amount of love your mother had for you, to take on that burden. Mm-hmm because it it's not an easy burden but i i think it was incredibly selfless of her mm-hmm. because she had to be hurting and and you know to have to to carry that yourself for so long had to have been hard as well but something that i've learned through many many years of investigation and and research into this is that even, even when I reached anger at my friend for leaving, I had to learn to understand that quite often, although it's mental illness, they don't choose to leave us behind. They believe we are better off without them. Mm-hmm. And whether the pain is emotional, mental, spiritual, or physical, it's not about leaving people behind. It's always about giving them a chance to go on without that person. Right. And it's uh, when you understand that, because like you, for a very long time, uh, I, I thought it was a very selfish choice until, you know, un- until you, you see the light. And, and in my case, I learned that that 
that meant uh, that was actually a, an incredible gift that she gave me mm -hmm. because I could now see from that other side. And, and giving you that time from 10 to 45, wow, like that, your mom's an incredible person. She is, she is very much so. She has such a quiet strength about her. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know, I mean, we've had thousands of conversations in these last eight years about what she went through and, yeah. and, and what her perspective was and why she chose to do the things that she chose to do. And, mm -hmm. and my mother is an, in incredibly, I say this about her all the time, whenever, whenever I'm asked about my mom and our relationship, my mom is the most content person I've ever met in my life. She's oh, wow. incredibly grounded and just um, fueled by common sense and wow. by this quiet understanding that things should be the way that, that they are, that they are the way that they are, and that we have to respond to that. And and I think that's where I've gotten my own philosophy, where that's developed my own sense of, um, I guess, like that, that, that guiding principle in my life is we can't control what the world gives to us. We can't control what someone says or does to us only how we act or react to it and my mom has always been that way so wow. she chose to do what was in her power to do because she couldn't she, she obviously couldn't um she couldn't fix the hurt and the pain and the loss because he was gone and the truth of the situation was that he was gone yeah. but what she did have in her control was to to filter what I knew yeah. until there was a point in time that she felt that I was ready or that the situation yeah. warranted, you know, knowing the, the true story. And, and the funny thing about my mom is that in all the conversations that we've had, she has said to me the same thing every single time. I have not held one single moment's worth of animosity or anger toward your dad because she understood i mean things were this is probably a whole this is a whole separate show the yeah. um the the challenges that my father was facing in in his yeah. life with um with with work with family because work and family were tied he worked for the family business he was the youngest of three children came from a very intense family a very very yeah. intense family not only a family that just was not very giving with love or support or generosity. They were a family that also suffered from some very deep mental illness. And, um, and so those things combined, my dad's kind of genetic code was, um, was at a disadvantage, let's just say from yeah. beginning and he tried to navigate that. And unfortunately, he, he wasn't successful. And, and let's face it, back then, you know, with, with everything so cloak and dagger, mm -hmm. with anything to do with mental illness or, or the whisper of suicidal thoughts or anything like that, mm -hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised because we lost a lot of people simply because there wasn't an opportunity for anyone to listen because they 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 couldn't out of fear couldn't or wouldn't talk mm -hmm. and and i i totally understand that mindset i mean it's part of why i do this show yeah because the the silence has to end this has to become part of our day-to-day -day conversation Mm -hmm. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. That's, I mean, that's funny that you're saying that because that's precisely the reason why I posted the post that found you. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've always been an ally. I've always been uh, a supporter of suicide awareness and mental health awareness for, for as long as I can remember. And I was making a post in support of that. Yeah. And the more I thought about the post that I was about to make, the more I realized that I had an awful lot more to say that was relevant and that 
that was important and I had a story that was worth telling, if only to, to, to just let one person know. I don't care if it's one person who knows that they're not, like you said, when, when you introduced the show, if it's a matter of just allowing people to recognize that they're not alone, letting people connect with something or someone or someone's story or experience, because that in, in, in that, you, you realize that you're not in that isolated place that so many of us feel like we're in, whether, whether it's someone who's struggling, who's in an abusive situation, someone who's struggling because they have a mental health challenge, someone who's struggling because they don't want to come out and they're gay. Yeah. Someone who, you know, I mean, so, so many different situations are so benefited by people's openness and honesty and the ability to, to just deflate this incredible stigma that's existed and it's deflating there's a you know there are, oh, there are yeah. pinholes throughout the whole thing yeah. at point, but we we need to just slice right through it and take and take all of that power away from this stigma and and the more i realize it's it's about representation it's about letting people know like i'm I'm, I'm not, I don't just understand, like I'm with you. I'm there. I yes. feel it. I feel yes. like I'm a survivor. I, yeah. And I, I'm a, a survivor of suicide. And, and this is probably the first place aside from quiet conversations that I've had with, like I said before, my family and, and very close friends who I talk very openly and honestly about it, um, about it with, but I haven't come out and, and, and had a conversation that's, that's been specific to, to this subject yet and and now after having had some of the most incredible response to this this post that i shared i i can't even tell you I, how how blown away i was by all of the feedback and the people who were reaching out to me privately and emailing me and dming me and calling and texting me and not only just thanking me for sharing but sharing their own stories or sharing their own concerns and i had one friend reach out to me because i said if you are if you are in crisis, like I want, yeah. I want you to reach out to me. I may not be able to do or say or be all the things, but I can, I can help you. I can listen. I can, I can guide you to someone who can help you in the ways that you need to be helped. And I've, I've since had, I can't even tell you how many people have reached out with stories, and some actually in crisis. And, and I'm at this point now where I'm so fueled by the power of that spoken word and, and the power in these stories, these unique stories and experiences that we all share that connect us all. That's yeah. like you and I have lost someone yeah. who we care about and we lost them by suicide. And, and it's because of that, that you and I had this incredible conversation last week and are connecting and and it's not like you and I have all the answers by no, no means, no, no. but we we have that shared experience and that experience I think has the ability to heal. It, it does. And, and we have the, uh, the impetus to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not always what happens. And, and I'm, uh, I think I'm the guiltiest of all because it took me 40 years to really come to terms with what had happened. And, and there were other deaths by suicide, um, you know, starting with my aunt, like, like you at seven, I was not told that's what happened. Mm -hmm. I learned that like less than five years ago. So all of the, all of the, the, Anything that came before 1990 was always so hush-hush. Mm -hmm. You know, to this day, we do not have actual stats on suicide and of very young people because it's so covered up, mm -hmm. which right. is, I think, heartbreaking. And, and that's, I mean, the other reason I do this, what, what I'd love to ask you, because we keep referencing your post, I would love to put that in the show notes. Oh, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was incredibly absolutely. eloquent. And, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course. I just, I just feel that there's more here. Um, I, 
I've had a lot of guests on the show and everybody's story is so touching and I, I can feel an empathy, empathy with each and everybody that I speak with yeah. because we're each dropping parts of our burdens mm-hmm. as, as we talk. And the more you share, the more that you are sort of lessening the burden and being able to cherish the memories and, and not have them tarnished. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, as I said before, I was such a daddy's girl. We did everything together. That was my my whole life. I was a tomboy. My father was a, a mountaineer. He raced cars as a hobby. He was a tennis player. He was just a very, very active person. That's part of, I think, probably not even part of, that's probably fully the reason why I love movement and the outdoors as much as I do. It's a huge part of my life. And um it was very difficult for me when I first found out that he had taken his life because I, it was, it was all of that anger toward the decision that he made and the repercussions that those, that decision had on my mom that I couldn't look at his picture for, I, my kids didn't pick up on it. They were kind of, you know, they were teenagers and, and not dialed in to their mom. Why would you be dialed into your mom when you're, you know, like 18 or 19 years old. So I kept it very, very quiet, but I wasn't looking at photographs of my dad anymore. I wasn't talking about him. I I had always, always out of wanting to keep my father's memory alive with my children, I had always talked about him as often as I could, uh, whether it was just resharing old stories or, um, you know, finding new memories things like that, I would always kind of inject him into our day to day. And I wasn't doing that at all. I, I just had, I completely shut down mm-hmm. in that way. And, and it was only in finding out that, that truth and, and navigating through all that truth and, and, and learning and understanding and really realizing and internalizing that my dad, my dad was, was a victim of mental illness. My dad, whatever the hard thing, the hard things are that I don't know, like, I don't know what the diagnosis was for my father. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know if there was an event or a series of events that Mm -hmm. triggered my father to take his life Mm -hmm. when he did. I mean, those are things that are, are just unanswered questions and will probably always be unanswered questions. And absolutely for me, that's hard. Those are, those are the really, really, yeah. Yeah to know that I'm going to have to sit with and reconcile. Yeah. But it, it was in understanding that he was ill and understanding that it was beyond his control and understanding that whatever it was that put him in that place where he felt like that was the only oh way. Yeah. Um, I, I went from this place of being so angry to moving into this place of just really just empathizing with him and, yeah. and sympathizing with him and and feeling feeling his pain, whatever that pain yeah. was, and realizing that for him to have arrived at that decision was that he just couldn't be burdened with that pain any longer and didn't want anyone else to be burdened by that pain anymore. He just did not feel like there was any other way to make it go away. Absolutely. And and I'm going to, I'm looking at this from a different angle based on, on what I'm learning is he didn't make the decision completely. His illness made the decision. Exactly. 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 So, you know, it, it in ending the pain without the illness, that may not have happened. Mm-hmm. So right. that decision came out of the illness, not out of your dad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's it's in understanding that. I mean, that's a big that's a big piece of all this. That's the biggest piece of all this. And and I think for me, when I really ultimately learned that as as a as an underlying reason why he did what he did it changed everything of course it it makes you really understand that 
it was beyond his control. You yeah. say, oh, the person was the, you know, the, the person took the pills or, or pulled the trigger or what, whatever, or jumped or whatever it was that they did. Yeah. But that's true. But, but they, but the illness that did that. Yes. yes. And when you really understand that at its core, that's, that's a big difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it, it does make a huge difference. Yeah. Because, you know, our brainstem, just as we are, is set to make us survive. Yeah, that's right. So without illness, without something else taking control, if you will, it's almost not possible. Mm hmm. Okay, you can't even hold your breath for an extended period of time because your brainstem will force you. To mm -hmm. breathe. Right. So, you know, it 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 just sort of moves it a little bit away, and it allows us to have more empathy and and kind of distances us even more from any anger that we felt. Grief has so many stages. You know, we do have to go through them. But it's uh, it was almost a relief to me to finally understand that scientific piece, the fact that, you know, it, it was, in our, my case, it was not Andrea's decision. It was not my Aunt Margaret's decision. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a long list there. Part of, part of what I think is important here on the show is being able to name our people. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to share your dad's name with us, that would be great. Of course. His name was Jim Eigner. His, his closest friends called him Jimmy. And um, it's funny. I, I, I really appreciate you asking for his name like that because there you think about it and, and there aren't that many cases where I would really even have the opportunity to say his name. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's an unusual feeling. I'll to have an opportunity, unusual in a good way, to be able to say it out good. loud. So yeah, my my dad's name was Jim. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, that's another thing that I I like to be able to to leave each other with is sharing the names of those we've lost. Mm -hmm because that too is part of ending the silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that that in this case, in the case of mental illness in particular, something that's already such such a private thing for so many people, I, I think that the, the, the biggest disservice that we can do to each other is to stop talking. That's right. This is the whole point. What you and I are doing right now is the whole point. And, and it's funny, it almost doesn't matter what the substance of the conversation no. is as long as you're just talking. Yes. If, you're, if you're not okay, like we're in a culture right now, thankfully, we're in a culture uh -huh. that's, that's really starting to recognize and appreciate the fact that it's okay to not be not okay. okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, you, you spoke in the beginning about how I, um, I'm a, I'm a writer. I, I have written parenting books. The majority of what I focus on has to do with parenting and raising kids and, and embracing our perfectly imperfectness and, and all of those things. But at the same time, you know, there's what I've learned in what I've done as a parenting author. I've learned what goodness comes out of sharing our shared experiences because, and this is what I say all the time, it's like, we're all going through the same stuff. It's just under a different roof. And yeah, your stuff looks a little different than my stuff. And some people's is more intense or less intense than others. And, and, and certainly those who have had traumas are, you know, everyone has something that's, that's uniquely theirs and that's, that's different and powerful in its own way. 
But the more that we share these things, the more that we talk about these things, the more we normalize these things, the more we change the narrative on these things. And, and, it's, and, and it's in doing that that we find that strength. That's where it comes from. I think that's, that's how we empower ourselves to get through this and to be able to, to get the help and say the words and own the feelings. I mean, I talk a lot about, about owning it as, as a parent and yeah. te teaching our kids how to own their behavior and own their decisions and all these things. Well, we also have to, I mean, this is in, in, in the context of what you and I are talking about today, it is, is, it is critical. It's especially important that we, that we own the sadness and the grief and the fear and the anger and all of these emotions, because you can't possibly navigate them and resolve them or, deal with them, reconcile, whatever the word is that you want to use, you can't possibly find your way through those things until you've acknowledged them and until That's you right. allowed yourself to sit in them. I sat in it. I sat covered in it for five years, probably yeah. five years. And I would say 99.9% .9 of the people in my life, in my day-to-day, -day, in my job, in my world, my closest friends even, didn't know. Didn't know. Nope. That's right. And they didn't know because I, you know, look, we all we all cycle through the experiences in our lives, the challenges and the traumas in, in very different ways. And and at that time I just I was upside down. I, I was just um I was just trying to make sense of it all and and process it all and, and everyone does that in very different ways and at very different paces. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I finally got to a point where I felt like, okay, like this is like, I, I, I've sat in it and I've understood it and it's changed me for the better. Yeah. And I want to tell my children, I need to tell my children yeah. because I, I have two children who have had, they, we all have stuff. We've all, we all have issues. I, I, you know, my, my oldest has had her challenges. My youngest has had hers and uh, you know, we're big believers in my family of of the value of therapy and the value of help. Um, and and I, I think about how important it was for me to have that conversation with my daughters preemptively to say, yes, look, look, here's what really happened. And the reason why I'm telling you this is, A, I want to tell you about the truth and because you deserve to know the truth and about your grandfather and B, most importantly, you guys may go through periods of time in your life where all of a sudden things are going to surface tendencies issues thoughts concerns challenges and and you could be in your mid-20s your early 20s your late 20s at some other stage of your life and all of a sudden something will shift and something will a door will open inside you that you didn't realize was there and all of a sudden you're going to start to feel things and and uh, process things in a different way, and and you're going to need to know where that comes from because oh, God, yeah. there's so much power in in knowledge and information. And when you know where it comes from, then you'll understand what you need to get help with, and then you'll know that you can talk to your sister, or you can talk to dad, or you can talk to me, or you can talk to yeah. you know your grandmother or your grandfather. And and I think that that that's how we normalize. Yeah. What what can happen to us what what happens in one in one way or another to all of us and absolutely the talking is absolutely the most critical piece mm -hmm. and it's funny as we're talking i'm thinking you know in a way this is the good thing that came out of the pandemic mm -hmm. is that people are realizing that we have to talk we have to talk right. whether it's virtually or in person or what have you we have to talk to other people and it's it's almost i don't know sad um it's a relief to be turning back to the old style where you know families lived in groups mm -hmm. Okay, they had they had other people to choose from. The tribes were more together yeah. so that things were discussed with the elders. You didn't leave things 
sort of on the outskirts. And that's, you know, long, long ago, they didn't have even the languaging, the, the understanding of mental illness or what have you. As we have become more industrialized, as we've got come into the tech age, mm-hmm. and God help us, social media that I work in yeah. is so detrimental to the young because, you know, it it's not all wonderful times and smiles and candy. And it's hard as a child or a teen to see past those things. Mm-hmm. When all you're seeing is, yeah, supposed perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, think about being that that teenage hormone ball that just everything is important in its immediacy. And, and you know, nothing past Friday night matters. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a whole different world. Now, understanding that we can't just sort of turn a blind eye and hope things get better. We actually have to talk. We have to talk about all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. That's right. That's right. We have to do the work. And I think, I think as, as a society, we got very complacent. Oh yeah. People just, just put themselves on a hamster wheel and they kept going in the same direction at the same speed in the same way. And and allowed themselves to be just busy enough to not have to stop and recognize what's going on. Well, now we had a hard stop. We had a forced hard stop. And I couldn't agree more with you that, that it's so beneficial because you know what the fact of the matter is we're not here alone for a reason. We're supposed to be here to lean into each other, whether it's as friends or as colleagues or as family members, that's, that's what we're here for. And at the end of the day, we, I think, sure, we're all responsible for our own happiness. Yeah. At the end of the day, yes. that's that's the bottom line. However, we're all incredibly instrumental in each other's happiness yeah. and, and well-being and emotional. Well-being, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, happiness has to come from inside. Mm-hmm. But the well-being piece, I think, is dependent on the whole on all of us. And as, as trite as some people think, you know, all those old adages that no man's an island or no person's an island to be politically correct. Right, right. All of those things, they they were there for a reason. And, mm-hmm. and it's important that we don't just throw it all out. Like look at some of those and realize, yeah, that's an important statement. Mm-hmm. No one's an island. We need to be surrounded by other humans. We need to reach out to those around us. Mm-hmm. Stop walking around with blinkers on, like or blinders on. Like, look up, see what's in front of you, what's to the side of you. I think I think that a big part, another big part of the reason why people have so much trouble doing that is because their egos get in the way. Yeah, and I think people are too worried about or had been too worried about exposing the chink in the armor and looking weak or looking incapable it's like i have to work the 80 hours a week i can't be the person to take the time off i can't call in sick i'm going to show up and be sick and i'm i'm going to do the thing regardless of whether or not i'm well enough to do the thing and and people don't want to acknowledge their humanness anymore yeah. i think we got we got so deep into that kind of thinking uh, yeah yeah and, everything's and, fine yep, yeah yep and 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 people are worried like oh my you know i'm i'm always an employee at will and if someone comes in and and they can they can be who knows? Um, they can power through in a way that longer, that, yeah, yeah, longer, better, whatever, stronger. Then I'm out. And yeah. so, as as a way of kind of self preservation, people are just pushing themselves way beyond the limits that we should be pushing ourselves beyond. So, and, and I have to say, and I, I'm the first one to be upfront about it. I was one of those people that hid all the bad stuff mm-hmm. that never showed a chink. I never let them see a sweat or cry or anything or wince or whatever. Yeah. And it was actually social media. Okay. Back in 2011, when I decided 
that, you know what, I was going to be seen. I wanted to learn the new technology. I wanted to do video. I wanted to talk to people because mm -hmm. I'm incredibly curious. Yeah. And as I went through that, I had to sit and my husband and I talked because I had been hiding for so long the concept of actually putting me out there. Mm -hmm was pretty hard and and it came to a head pretty quickly because in 2012 70 of us got together in new york city and i had to show up mm. and i had to show up cane and all yes yeah. when you see somebody online you don't know that they walk with a limp that's right you don't know that whether they're short or tall or mm -hmm. whatever because it you know we're basically talking heads right right and, and that was the beginning of, oh, my God, you know what? I can be there for other people, but it's better if I'm there for other people, all of me. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's funny because, like I said, we all get so wrapped around the wrong priorities, the, the priority of, of keeping up appearances and keeping up with the Joneses and, and, and creating this facade we all put so much energy we all do it like like i haven't oh, done, yeah. I've done it we've all done it and the irony is that the the less honest you are the farther away from everyone you become and and the farther away from your true self you become yes. what, I, what yes. i've learned in the last few years especially is that there is such incredible power in number one admitting you're wrong and you've made a mistake such huge value in doing that oh yeah and and there's an equal amount of power i think in in saying look i'm um this is who i am yeah this is my true self I, I'm, I'm going to lead with integrity i'm going to i'm going to lead with authenticity but this is who i am and when you when you kind of let everybody see behind the curtain unapologetically yeah there is so much freedom in that and oh, there yeah. can be so much of a release of of unwanted energy and because what why why are we why are we putting energy into pretending to be something or someone mm -hmm. that we're not let's put it back into the place that creates uh genuineness and honesty, because we should all be functioning on that level anyway. Yeah. And that's that's how we grow, that's how we heal, that's how we bond. It's it's in putting the reality of who we are and what we're doing and what we need out there. And yeah. and and, yeah. and in the in the case of what we're talking about right now, today, we're talking about you know people's need for mental health help. Yes. And if yeah don't communicate what's going on on the inside you can't you can't expect the people around you to guess even the people who no. are to you and we we just went through this with um I, I mentioned it for a split second that we lost one of my closest childhood friends yeah. um, about five months ago very suddenly and um we lost him not at all expecting that he was struggling. We had no, we had yeah. no yeah. Any idea that he was struggling. Yeah. His, his family, I mean, not until the very, 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 very end of his life was it apparent, but the depth to which he was struggling, at which he was struggling, was beyond anyone's comprehension. And it's because he was someone, and if you can, if you're listening to this and it's just an audio and you can't see my hand going across yeah. the screen in like a straight line, he was a straight, unflappable line. Yeah. That's just how he was. And he was not someone who would peel away the layers and go super deep and yeah. and and kind of disclose how he was feeling. And therein lies the problem. And, and therein lies the problem with with everybody who can't just say I am. It's I'm struggling, and it's, yeah. it's a brutally hard thing to do. But at the same time, it's also I think because I know so empowering. The times oh that I've God. done yeah. that, I've been like yeah. I'm like I said to my husband 
the other day, I think it was, I think it was shortly after I put the post out about my dad and I was just kind of just like really feeling the, the power of everyone's support and, and yeah. love. And, and it really, and it was, they were all good feels for sure. Oh, but yeah. I got really emotional and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, nope. I am <laughs> absolutely not okay. But there's, there's such freedom in being able to acknowledge that because we're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be. It's a myth. It's, I mean, this is, this is what I talk about in all the other work that I do. I talk about on the radio and in books that I write and columns I write. Um, When I speak to people, it's all about the same basic thing that relates just as much to what we're talking about here as it does anywhere. We are not perfect people. We're not supposed to be. We are, look, I, I'm a big believer, a big fan of the mistakes that we make because of the value that's, that, that's within those mistakes. And, and in, in this case, admitting that there's a flaw or, um, or a bump or a problem or a challenge and, and using the strength from that, from that, it that's that's how you that's how you find your way. That's the light. Absolutely. I have actually I have a couple of friends that have brought that to the forefront, and uh, my friend Nurjahand is a um, she's a survivor of of a gun incident, and um, she's an amazing woman who started calling them celebrations and she celebrates every time she fails. And I, I like thought, that. oh, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two are my friends Stan Phelps and Dave Rendell. And uh, they have a couple of books out and it's about being flossom. Yeah, it's about celebrating your flaws. Yeah. Instead of trying to fit in, Mm-hmm. Be who you are, as Dave says. Let your freak flag fly. That's right. Okay, that's right. Your, yeah, your differences are what make you interesting. Mm-hmm. Because just think, if we were all a bunch of the same robots that did the same thing at the same time on the mm-hmm. same, even saying it, aren't you bored? Yeah. Like listening to me, it's yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, we we're we shouldn't be. I laugh because it's it's funny that, I, that yeah. people are so caught up in in trying to to play the part or, yeah. or create the facade or keep up and yeah. and and with everybody else instead yeah. of finding out what makes you special what makes you unique look we have all i don't care who you are i don't care where you are i don't care what your experience has been every single one of us who is here or who has ever been here is here for a reason is here to contribute look at it's a tapestry right oh my god yes yes and every single thread is valuable within that tapestry And, and I yeah. said to my kids when they were little, I mean, my, my kids are, are 47, almost 48 and 39. And I said to them when they were little, every single human being is really good at at least one thing, mm-hmm. not the same thing. And that's what's so cool. Mm-hmm. Because all of those pieces, you're right, make a wonderful tapestry when you bring them together. Right. And I, and I think that, I, I think that we should all be excited right now living in the period of history that we're in. I mean, look, we, we've had, I don't know if I can say the word shit right now, but I'm saying. Oh, sure you can. It's been, it has been <laughs> a, a shit show. show. Yep. This last year and a half. And yeah. on so many levels, I mean, you, you look at everything from, what we've been dealing with with this pandemic and all this racial unrest and mm-hmm. and all I mean and uh, Me Too movements and and yeah. um, women being marginalized, groups being marginalized, you name it. And I feel like everything has has really kind of culminated 
oddly in this period of a year and a half. Yeah. And and I, I think though that there's such there's been such an awakening, yeah, such a, a collective awareness of what will not be tolerated anymore. Yes. Whether it be your sexual orientation or the color of your skin or your gender or what what whatever it is that you have to offer in this world, yeah. it like we are at a point in time right here, right now, where things that make us uniquely us are being celebrated more than they ever yes. have been. And that's like, I'm inspired by that. I'm excited by that. I hear my daughters, we get in some, these incredible conversations around the dinner table and they're so, their senses are all heightened and they're so aware and they're so conscious and they're, 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 um, you know, they're, I, I don't want to call my kids social justice warriors, but they, they are in, in they, a lot they, of ways. Yeah. In the best I, ways. Yeah. And, yeah. And that inspires me and it gives me so much hope that that we're kind of strip I feel like in a lot of ways we're stripping our our collective consciousness down to the studs in a lot yeah. of ways. With a lot of people. Look, we have a lot of people out there in the world who are playing on a very, you know, they're playing on a very old system. They're they're yeah. working in a very old you know, system and it's very antiquated and it's and it's behind and and unfortunately there there are always going to be people who are are just not um not willing to do the work to understand to get to yeah. where we belong which is where where we are now or at least the direction we're headed but i am so i'm so energized by yeah. the, like today's youth and oh yeah and what they're tolerating and what they're not tolerating. Yeah. What they're, yeah. you know, there's a whole new handful of expectations, bucket full of expectations now that we're putting out there in the world. And it's this generation, I think, that's going to make all of us accountable. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it even in the youngest grandchild. He just yeah. turned five and I find the last couple of generations have such a more global outlook mm -hmm. that than any of us ever did. Yeah. They're they're so they're so open to the things that that matter not just to them but to all of us. Mm -hmm. And they're the things that should matter. They're yes. where our priorities should be. They should be about justice and about equality yeah. and about kindness and tolerance and all. I mean, that that those are where inclusion. our absolutely yeah. inclusion should be where our focus is right now. And yeah. and and I think the that the the wave is 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 growing. That that mm -hmm. wave and and that movement and that that mindset is growing, and and I think that looped right into the the middle of all of that is this is this urgency, like you and I feel this urgency and this this compulsion and this drive to normalize mental health, yeah. uh, mental illness and mental health awareness, and and encourage the conversations. That's why I, it's so funny. It's like after I posted the post uh, about my dad last week, I, I haven't stopped talking. I haven't wanted to stop talking about this. Um, and, and it certainly isn't because I have all this, you know, this great academic knowledge. I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a clinician. I'm, I'm a survivor of suicide. And I, I know intimately it's that life experience. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, but sometimes in some cases that it's like the EQIQ battle, the, the, or debate. Yeah. I feel like that life experience is in a class all by itself yeah. in terms of just understanding and being able to relate with and, and communicate about the things that, that are impacting all of us. And, and it can open us up more. Mm -hmm. That life experience can give us that chance to broaden our horizons mm -hmm. in ways that, to me, structured learning and, and all of that can't do. It can't. I mean, there's value to it. There's obviously. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but 
it's, I think it's just that relatability factor. Yeah. That when you yes. and I are talking as, as friends or as colleagues or as just two human beings who are talking about our shared experience, just my own experience alone and my own perspective and my own takeaways could, could somehow connect to you in a different way, could shift your thinking in a certain way, could um, empower you in a certain way. And, and that's the beauty of conversation. That's the beauty of, of shared conversation like this, because you and I could both walk away from this conversation and hopefully anybody who's listening or watching can, can do the same and can say, God, you know, I, I just, I, I just had this horrible experience in my life and I, I don't see a way forward, but wow, like that, that woman or those women or that story gives me a little bit of hope that, that there is a path. I just have to find it and I have to commit to it. And, and, you hit that right on the head. It's the vibration mm -hmm. of hope. Yep. I want it to go forward mm -hmm. from everything that we do. Because like you, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a therapist. I'm nothing but a survivor. That's right. But it's funny. You say nothing but, yet it's worth I'm more than that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Like you, are, you are a survivor. And the, the, yeah. the, the power in that is unmeasurable. What that can do for someone else who is maybe brand new to this experience. Like I know if, if I was sitting here listening to a conversation like this four or five years ago, I absolutely would have rejected any possibility yep. at that time that I would ever understand, that I would ever find my way back to to loving my dad and appreciating him and understanding yeah. him and 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 empathizing with him and feeling for him and um, and being sad for him instead of about yeah. him. And I'll tell you, it's it's because of all the conversations that I've had with other people, other survivors, friends, family, um, that that I've I've found the value in that, and I've found my own path through this. Yeah, yeah. And and it's unique to all of us. The way the way that we progress through our grief and and our oh, absolutely our and and the the time frame for you you know learning the truth mm -hmm. and the time frame for me I'm 65 years old this happened when I was 16 mm -hmm. this happened when you were 10 what we're showing is okay you can get through. It takes a lot and it's not all pretty. Mm -mm. Okay. <laughs> There's some really not pretty stuff through those years, but we can get through. Yep. So, you know, hang on to whatever you have to reach out because someone will listen. That's right. And the door is open. That's right. That's right. And that, and your story is meant to be told. Yes. Whatever it is, your story is meant to be told because within, within that experience is someone else's lifeline. Absolutely. Whoever you are, exactly. your story is exactly. important. I, I think the, the most important thing that, that I've realized, and it, and it just doesn't apply only to this situation, it, it applies to everything in general. And it's funny, it's, it's how I sign off of our radio show every week we're all a work in progress and it's all about the climb and yeah. we're always climbing and we're always finding breadcrumbs along the way that sustain us, that, that, that sustain us inwardly and that help keep us on our path. So we've, we've got to just do the work and we've got to keep our eyes open and we've got to keep our hearts open. And, and in doing that, that's, that's how we, we don't just survive. That's how we learn how to thrive again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I can just say it's like I've just had one of the best meals of my life. I oh, feel that replete. I'm so glad. I'm so, I think you and I both have like tears in our eyes right now. I, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's just been amazing because I really believe it's important what we do. It's important what we get out there. 
and you and I could probably go on for hours. I think we could. I, I am absolutely thrilled that you are the one that brought up the possibility of another show. <laughs> as often as you would like to talk, I'm here. I think that's wonderful. And I just want to say thank you so much, Lisa. All of Lisa's information will be in the show notes. There's, uh, well, her links will be there as well. And you'll be able to connect with her do give this a good listen and you'll be able to read her post from suicide prevention day on september the 10th right there in the show notes i thank you for joining me here today i thank our audience for being here and as i often say make the the very most of your today every day and i'll see you next time Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.